Hey folks, how's it going? This is Cam's here. Welcome to another episode of Acoustic Guitar I.O. I've got some great content for you coming up over the next month or so. I was down at the RMMGA Guitar Gathering in the Cotswolds a couple of weekends ago, just uh, last weekend in June, and I had the great pleasure of interviewing Mike Dawes while I was there. If any of you haven't heard of Mike Dawes, you should look him up. His music is fantastic. And we had a good chat on the Saturday morning after a, a rather late Friday night. So uh, it was it was an interesting discussion. Before we get to that, though, I'd just like to do a little bit of housekeeping. My channel is growing, which fills me with so much joy you wouldn't even believe it. I have started a Patreon page. Now, that's something that made me feel a little bit uncomfortable, but I feel that I feel confident that my content has value and I would love to be able to keep doing this. Now my wife, God bless her, she's she's an amazing woman. She's supporting what I'm doing here, but she hasn't seen any benefit to what I'm doing here. All she's seen is invoices for camera gear and for travel. So if you could help me out in any way, I would really, really appreciate it. Even a dollar a month, it's it's not a lot to ask. I myself do subscribe to some content creators on Patreon simply because I love their content and I know it's a good model, I know that it can work and although it makes me feel a little bit squirmy to ask, I'm going to do it anyway. So if you enjoy this content then please consider visiting my Patreon page, it's patreon.com slash acousticguitario. Otherwise, you can go on to the iTunes store. You can give this podcast a rating. I know it goes out on YouTube, but it's also going out on the podcast networks. So you'll catch it in your podcast client, whichever one you prefer to use. Apple is still king of the heap when it comes to curation, and their algorithms are really benefited by your giving my show a rating and also some feedback if you feel so inclined I would really appreciate that it helps my my channel to grow and to get this content in front of other people's eyeballs or ears and if you would like to share this that would mean a lot as well because that's how social media works right stuff gets shared and if you find it valuable please consider sharing this with your friends and just letting people know that this is out there. So with that said, we're going to jump straight into the interview with Mike Dawes. I hope you enjoy it and I'll see you again at the end. Hello, Excellent. Mike Dawes. Welcome to my podcast. Acoustic Hello, Guitar great I. to be here on your podcast. Great. <laughs> well, I was actually jumping for joy when I heard you were coming. Oh, I've, that's I've been sweet. following you couple of years, I think. When did Acoustic Uprising come out? Acoustic Uprising. Oh, the movie from the Australia. Movie. Yeah, it yeah. would have been a few years ago, I think. Yeah, because I shot some stuff for that, and it was about three years ago or something. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, yeah. that's Great movie. Those guys did a really great jo- job. Shout out to, to Drew and the team for, for doing that. They really did. Mm. I think they've they've hit the zeitgeist with that, mm. with mm. The, the modern finger style sort of uprising it's a great name for it yeah it's it's an expanding troop of 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 weirdos and i I say that as a weirdo myself um no offense (laughs) to anyone that takes offense with the term weirdos but it's great it's this just a great to have a some sort of archive of um 
all these uh, these people from all walks of life all over the world uh, sharing their their joy of the ever expanding world of acoustic guitar. How far back does your your listening go in terms of the the sort of original fingerstyle genre with like Bert Jans yeah, and John yeah. Rainborn and yeah. Davy Graham? Do you did you listen to those guys? Well, growing up? growing up, um, my my parents uh, I, I would I would say my dad is a musical guy. My mum is a music appreciator, um, an appreciator of music, and my dad comes from the sort of soul funk world, uh, but my mum is a folky at heart, right? So um, things like Pentangle, David Graham, you know, all of that stuff was present in the family as the sort of soundtrack to some of my youth, really. But in terms of myself getting into the guitar, it was Pierre Bansusen, mm-hmm. uh first and foremost, because my godfather, so my, my parents' uh, best friends, my godparents, um, so my godfather, Alan, he um, actually has done a lot of work for Pierre over the years as a graphic designer. In fact, Pierre's song Silent Passenger is actually written as a dedication to him, to my godfather. Mm-hmm. And that album, Intuite, that the song Silent Passenger is on, also contains a song called So Long Michael, mm. which uh, when I heard it, I, just, I was blown away by the piece of music. I thought it was fascinating. I was drawn to the title because my name is Michael, so I was probably the one I listened to first. But... Um, I read about Michael Hedges because that's what that was a dedication to. It, I, I did some reading, and that seemed to be a dedication to Michael Hedges as uh, as a sort of, uh, I guess, uh, a thank you for the dedication uh, through Michael's song "Ben Susan," which predated that, which was mm-hmm. track two on Aerial Boundaries. So I discovered that world uh, since discovering Pierre. And then through playing in the scene, I had the opportunity to to open for John Renborn and 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 a lot of a lot of more folky uh, picking artists uh, in that scene around the Bristol Bath area. Whilst I was at university uh, over in Bath, and um, and yeah, other people on the way like Eric Roche, for example. So in terms of the um, the originals, mm. um, th- there there's a sort of there's a gap in my in in terms of the songs that I learnt growing up. Um, but I did learn tunes in the American tradition as well. So once I did, went down the Chad Atkins, Jerry Reed rabbit hole, yeah. I did a lot of study into that. Um, but I would say the kind of Pierre Bensus and Michael Hedges would be the, uh, I guess, the the quote-unquote older artists who I've really dived into, mm. you know, a lot deeper. Make room for the coffee. It's coming past the huge alien mic here. <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting. I had I talked last year with Gordon Giltrap, and he's mm. he's very much of that old school. Mm. And we had a good discussion about some of the modern fingerstyle players that are coming up. Mm. And I think we both agreed that it's it's a great thing, not only for guitar but for mm. music in general. Mm. The way that young people are bringing something new, they're taking what used to be around, and they're it's morphing into something mm. new, which is fantastic. Well, that's the way it's always been with with all with all music forever. It's and um, yeah. and in, in my experience, there are there are it's a, over, an overgeneralization. I'm sure to say this, but there's there's really two types of people in music. There's those that that embrace change, and those that are resistant to change. And you know, change will happen. Exactly, it, it, things will always change. You know, the blues will become rock and roll. Rock and roll will become metal. You know. Yeah. Um, so uh, it's it's really heartwarming to to have uh, people like Gordon, who are such legends in the community, sort of yeah. embrace, uh, I guess, the direction that things are uh, are going in the younger generation. 
Absolutely. In Glasgow, there's a, a really good scene of young musicians bringing something modern to the traditional Scots-Irish oh, awesome. catalogue. Do you know Steph McLeod? No, I don't He's know great. No. He's absolutely amazing. I play with him every year over at Andreas Kunz's festival in Germany. Uh, he's in a, he, he plays the same uh, guitar maker's guitars as I do. Okay. And uh, an amazing picker, an incredible singer. I mean, it's like a religious experience watching him do his thing. And he's, uh, I think he's Glasgow. Maybe he's going to get mad if he hears this because he, he's either Glasgow <laughs> or Edinburgh. Oh. I, I might have got things massively wrong. I know that's like saying Bristol uh, City or uh, Bristol. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Steph. I'll look him up. Yeah, yeah no, he's amazing, amazing. And he's doing something similar to what you're saying, taking traditional mm. Scottish music and actually injecting it in a, in a, in a, with this new flavor in a band context. And they do a lot of work in um, in America, actually okay. in the churches over there as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah, really cool stuff. Yeah, there's quite a lot of girls actually around yeah. the Glasgow area playing guitar, playing fiddle. I can think of several who were over few weeks ago on Arran at the Arran Folk Festival. I played with a, an amazing Scottish uh, uh, player. I can't remember her name. Gosh. It, it, we, we, we played together at the Ards Guitar Festival in Northern Ireland. Um, and this was only back in April. And she was amazing, but she had a flamenco thing going on. So okay. she was very much influenced by people like Rodrigo and Gabriella. And, yeah. and um, she was amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I really... Oh, Alison Todd, I want to say. I could be totally wrong. Um Google that, people, and then if, yeah. if, if it's wrong, it's wrong. Apologies um, to the person who may or may not be called Alison. That's why I have the coffee. It's too early in the, <laughs> in the morning. I'm unchanged, unshowered, and was up until 5 or 6 a.m. Yeah, we had we had a very good <laughs> we night. We had a merry time, yeah. I watched your performance and was, was spellbound. Your, oh, thanks, Your man. tone, your melody. You spoke about your sense of melody and how you compose last night when mm. you were performing. That was quite heartwarming to hear because one of the criticisms I hear of the modern style of fingerstyle player is that the melody seems to take a back seat to the the rhythm and the technique and the mm. the percussive element, etc. Mm. Would you care to elaborate yeah. on that? Yeah, well, I could talk for hours on this subject for sure. I mean, it's tricky because everybody is exp- it's all self expression at the end of the day. And if someone's letting a a technique lead a composition, maybe that's just what they're intending on doing. Maybe that's their soul being being brought to light. You know, maybe that's just the change that is happening. Myself personally, coming from the the school of Ben Susan and also melodic rock bands, I was a big fan of like Thin Lizzy, Iron Maiden, things like this. Very melody and harmony led uh rock music i see the door opening <laughs> enter enter sandman enter someone it's dan it's come danny boy if you want to dan. come a, and join the interview dan have daniel. a comfy cheer dan, daniel burns trousers ladies and gentlemen we just saw on that monitor <laughs> that Excellent. cheers free if you want oh and he's brought a friend sit and rest hey. dan's a member of the 5am club <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> we were just talking about melody and finger style and all of that stuff. Yeah. Oh, Theo says hello. Theo's favourite subject. You might not be very conducive to it. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I'll come back later, maybe. Nice to meet you, Theo. Nice octopus. Very cool. Or is it a squid? It's a cute That's furry thing. 
We yeah. had Sophie through earlier for a short interview. <laughs> oh, interview. We had the turtle, the flamingo. See, it is a turtle. It's, it's definitely turtle. For the benefit of the tape, as they used to say on the bill, um, we had the tortoise turtle debate at breakfast. Let the record show. Yeah, exactly. Right. Well, she called him Mr. Turtle, even though he doesn't have a name. Does the respect his show? Due deference. <laughs> I've trained her well. <laughs> See right. you later, buddy. See you in a bit. So, um, where were we? Yes, so, so I, I don't think it's as simple as painting, you know, a whole new generation of players with one brush by saying, you know, uh, a big feature of a new movement is a lack of melody. However, that being said... Um, there's a, there's another thing to consider as well. So anyway, first of all, I was saying that um, coming from the school of, of melodic music, that's always been the way that I've composed, and the techniques are just extra things that allow me to perform as a sort of one-man show. Um, and that's it, really. Mm. The songs aren't written to be percussive guitar songs, whatever that means. Um, they're just songs that are played by one person. And that was born out of living in the suburbs and not really having many people to jam with. Mm-hmm. Um, I will also add that we do live in a time, the first time in history where an artist's development is in the public eye. And what I mean by that is, you know, when I started this, um, you know, I would be posting things that I was maybe a few months into playing the style and I'd be posting them online. Yeah. And guess what? I mean, if I look back at that now, it would be terrible. Perhaps it would be less melodic, or perhaps it would just be a bad song. But the, the overwhelming pressure on 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 young people and new musicians to share leads people to share their development. But people will only ever see their development as their final product. You understand what I'm saying? I do. So I think there's by saying that there's a lot of players that sound underdeveloped musically. That just means that they're on their journey and they're on their path. It yeah. just so happens that we live in a time where that's very public. And, and and you can say this kid who's been playing for a few months, he shared a video. You scroll down the newsfeed, and there's a clip of Tommy Emmanuel. They are the same. They are not the same. Tommy Emmanuel is a seasoned professional, and this is a kid who's just starting. So um, you have to take a lot of that with a pinch of salt. I, I I'd be I I don't think there's many professional players out there that are doing the circuit on a professional level that don't respect melody in a piece of music, right? So um um. Yeah, that's that's my morning coffee, tired <laughs> whiskey, hungover thoughts on the subject. But um, I, I really appreciate the compliment about um, melodic playing because you know that's how it started and that's how it's always been and that's what brings me um, joy. So appreciate the. Uh, I yeah. take that as a compliment. So well, I'll I'll be honest with you. When I watched Acoustic Uprising, I had listened to Michael Hedges and some Preston Reed, mm. but I hadn't really heard of any of the other participants mm. in that mm. documentary. And you were the one that stood out to me as the most melodic. You and Thomas Lieb. Oh, that's, yeah, Thomas mm. is... Well, the, the great thing about Thomas is he is he is a real master of rhythm. Mm. Um, and I find his playing very melodic, but when people hit uh, first encounter Thomas's music, the thing that stands out to them is the rhythm. Right. And that just that's a testament to how studied he is in, in African percussion. I think he had a... A great teacher from, I believe, Ghana. I want to say Ghana. Maybe it's Senegal. I don't know. Um, and uh, you know, he he really knows his stuff, and and he plays for himself. You know, he doesn't play for uh, for the internet or to impress his friends or anything like that. You know, and 
every time I see him play, I just have a huge smile on my face. He's a really one of a, absolutely one of a kind uh, musician. Yeah. Mm. It was interesting what you said about the the fact that people are more documenting rather than mm. putting out polished products. I had mm. a good chat with Dan last night about this. I don't mm. know if he told you the story about his coming up here yesterday, the night before he was up till five, mm. recording mm-hmm. a piece that he wanted to use. Yeah, he just told me at breakfast. Yeah. For a Tom Sands piece, and we were having a chat about it last night, and he hasn't produced any EPs or any albums, but he's had a strong desire to do so for quite a long time. Mm. I would love him to do that, and he feels that he needs to put out something that represents what he does in the best possible light. Mm-hmm. In other words, he doesn't produce anything because it's never quite good enough. Yeah. And what you see now is on YouTube and all over the internet is, as you said, people putting out developmental stuff. And I find that, from a personal point of view, with what I'm doing here, trying to record interviews and start a new channel i'm 47 you know it's i'm not part of the youtube generation i didn't grow up with that and so for me to make that jump into making something using equipment to make something creative that's expressing myself and creating something Mm -hmm. of value i have to try and switch my mindset into that idea of putting out what i have once it's once it's done i don't have to keep polishing it and polishing it and I find that there's a lot of value in that because when I started to play music when I was 21 I picked up my first guitar and it was probably 15 years before I started playing with other people before I started performing because of that fear I'm not good enough Mm. I haven't polished it well enough etc etc and I think that can hold you back in a lot of ways with where creativity is concerned. I think that people who are documenting and publishing now, it may not be entirely the best thing that they could produce, but at least they're producing something. And I find that that can be a very valuable thing for yeah. Well, I mean, creators, uh, anything that you're creating, be it you know this podcast or, or mm. Dan recording a tune, that's a snapshot of a moment. It'll always be a snapshot yeah. of a moment. If I listen to, you know, Van Halen's first album, I, I'm not holding that to the same production standards as something that a band would release now. It's a snapshot of that time, and yeah. that's what makes it so cool, actually. You know, as you do these podcasts, for example, your you know your mics will change, your cameras will change, your setup will yeah. change, and you might look back at your, these a, a video you've shot three years ago and think, "Oh, what was I thinking? The lighting's all wrong, or whatever." <laughs> but you are your own worst critic when it comes to that. You know, no one is gonna. You have to remember the people witnessing this are witnessing it in the same same time. You know, mm. they're not gonna. Um, uh, be thinking, oh, this needs three more years and it would look great. Yeah. <laughs> you know, with, with Dan and recording, um, one thing that's really helped me is finding an engineer who, who really gets it. Okay. And I've been very fortunate to have worked with the same engineer on all my recordings. And if I didn't have him, I wasn't working with him, I would, I, you know, I would be endlessly tweaking uh, the recordings. Um, okay. This guy's called Josh Clark. Um, he's based in Bath in the UK. And if any of you um, are interested in in recording and want a real pro at the helm, he is amazing. He's he's he's. It's not a big, huge, fancy studio. It's just a converted living room, but with a cat and tea and <laughs> cheese and chutney sandwiches. And um, 
he he just knows acoustic instruments. He knows he knows, and he's quick. He's quick, and it makes you feel very comfortable. He makes you sound great, you know. And um, it's it's that confidence in his ability to engineer that stops me worrying about all this extra stuff, you know. If I was doing it myself, which is what Dan's doing, then it's a rabbit hole of endless tweaks. And I think there's a lot to be said for having someone else in the room, a producer, just to say, that's great. Don't change that. That's perfect. You know, that take was the one, you know. Yeah. So so that's a big part of it. Because we're all weird. We don't have a lot of confidence as musicians. I mean, we're all very insecure people. That's part of the nature of, of hiding behind these big acoustic instruments filled yeah. with vibrations and loveliness but um yeah having having a a, a producer is is something that i'd recommend he tries i reckon yeah we did talk about that yeah uh, yeah i mean i'd happy yeah. to put him in touch with josh and for anyone listening honestly josh clark um in bath the uk if you can't find a link to his website at the moment he goes by get real audio but i think he's going to change the brand name um for fingerstyle he's the guy Again, we every track I've ever recorded, we've done. I've done with him, and he's he's the sort of the go-to bluegrass guy. Actually, that's how I got okay. to know him. So he really knows acoustic instruments. So, um, yeah, highly recommended. Bluegrass, huh? That's my preferred genre. Actually, oh, I, yeah? lo- I love flat picking. Yeah, he also plays in Kate Rusby's band. Okay. Yeah, and 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 um, sometimes as her front of house live tech as well. So he uh, he gets it. Highly recommended, Josh Clark, the best. Awesome. Here we have the. The bells, the, the bells. Oh, it's such a beautiful place. It really is. It really is. So, what's what's next for Mike Dawes? A little alien toy. What have you got in the <laughs> in the works? What's next? So, um, well, I turn thirty in a few weeks, which is bringing with it some life changes. Um, I've in my private life, I'm uh, expanding my ability to have a private life. Um, by own, being a homeowner for the first time and, and I'll be building a studio and all that stuff. However, um, my touring schedule is ridiculous. Um, I, I'm not sure when this will air. When when does this go out, this podcast, typically? It'll be sometime June and July. Yep, okay. Um, well, in July, I'm out with Tommy Emmanuel on the East Coast uh, in America doing uh, six shows there. Then I join Andy McKee, Trevor Gordon-Hall, and Callum Graham for some Guitar Master shows on the West Coast in California. Wow. Then I do Andy McKee's Musicarium Music Camp with um, all of those guys, plus John Gom. Then from there, I go on a huge US tour with Justin Haywood from the Moody Blues, opening for him and playing guitar with him. Then we go straight to the UK. I have seven days at home to hopefully get the keys to my new place and buy furniture. Then we do a UK tour with Justin Haywood from the Moody Blues, then jump over to... Um, the Netherlands for one show then I go to Ullapool Guitar Festival then the next day I play in Maryland in uh, the USA (laughs) to start another month and a week long US tour with Justin Hayward from the Moody Blues then from there I fly straight to Germany get off the plane and go into another 10 or so shows with Tommy Emmanuel in Germany and after that um, uh, we're working on some clinics with the Dario Strings um, to go into music stores then I get two weeks off in December, and then I go on tour again in January, February, March with International Guitar Night, which is um, myself, a Finnish gypsy jazz player, uh, I believe a Spanish uh, player, and a Hawaiian uh, slack player. 
Um, we're doing about 36 or 37 shows around North America, including Alaska and, wow. and all those territories that I've never, I've never been to Alaska, um, which is very exciting. And then um, the last gig in the calendar is on the 1st of April. I do another festival on a cruise ship called On the Blue, and that's headlined by Justin Hayward from the Moody Blues. We have uh, Art Garfunkel. We have Focus, Alan Parsons Project, The Zombies um uh me um and a whole bunch of other acts and that will be sailing from miami down to haiti and um uh all kinds of islands that's a whole week-long sort of rock festival at sea and i would assume that by the time this airs i will uh that will probably have extended into another u.s tour so in short lots of u.s stuff um and hopefully after that I'll be releasing new music. I've um, recorded three tunes and shot three videos for my next album already, but I want to hold them back, not be a a content creator kid and throw things out as soon as they're done. Instead, I want to wait until the whole album's ready and then do a strategic release um, of the third album with a video for every song and a tab for every song. And that obviously takes a lot of time to produce. Um, But I, I want people to to get a new tune from me every sort of three weeks four weeks or so for you know a year or something like that and um hopefully at that point i'll have um probably i don't know just gone insane wow. <laughs> that's a busy schedule yeah yeah it's a lot it's yeah, a lot but it's nice to see a young fingerstyle guitar player making a full-time living from playing guitar i think that's that's fantastic. It's yeah, it's an honour and a privilege, and um, it wouldn't be possible without the uh, the support of the uh, of the, the fan base, not just of the guitar community, but of um, you know the Moody Blues fans who have been ever since I had the privilege of opening up those shows. They've become very loyal, very supportive, um, and they're they're, they're 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 the best. I mean, these shows, the front row is like the same for a lot of these shows. There's okay. these like real hardcore. Moody's fans have become like family. Um, so if you're listening, any of you guys, then um, yeah, thanks for the support. Um, and also the, the 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 heavy metal shred guitar community and I seem to connect quite well through many of my friends in that scene. But also the fans in that scene seem to gravitate towards what I'm doing, which is um, a real um, odd privilege um, mm. to have this sort of extra world on the you know i just did a guitar camp in greece with ozzy osbourne's guitar player um so it was a sort of shred guitar metal thing and i was the acoustic weirdo oh my knees and shot hey that's me in the morning with my sock and my knees um so yeah yeah it's a it's a, it's a privilege and but it wouldn't be possible without um all of the aforementioned yeah and how long did it take you to reach a place where you were financially comfortable with your music um well so I, when I left university, I was like every other music student, straight down to the job center. Mm. Um, uh, you know, I got a got a job teaching ukulele to to, to kids, uh, teaching guitar wherever I could. And what I ended up doing was creating a portfolio of private guitar students just by being old fashioned and flyering the local Sainsburys and all of that, the very traditional guitar teacher approach. Yeah. And what happened gradually is uh, when I released my first. Uh, music video to a, a cover song of a song called Somebody That I Used To Know. It it went kind of viral online. And what happened was I got a lot of gig offers, but I, I only had that one song. So I spent the year sort of creating my first album uh, okay. called What Just Happened. 
and 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 in that time i learned how to work with in the industry and i learned how to book shows and i learned how to book visas and all this stuff yeah so that when the album came out the following year i just started going on these trips and and uh you know to begin with for the first few months i was sort of weekend warrioring it so i was sort of uh, Mm. teaching in the week and flying over to say germany to play three shows and then coming back uh and then i went to southeast asia and australia and the trip was like a month long and and when i got back from that trip it just kind of i had to kind of choose you know i i couldn't commit to these guitar students full time so instead what i did is i replaced um those students with um skype students uh, skype lessons to fans because at that point i had a had a fan base now okay so um the good thing with skype lessons is that they're not necessarily a regular once a week thing it's sort of maybe once a month or check in when you want and, and I'll help you with what you're working on or let's see your progress in a couple of months. And yeah. and there was enough of that to kind of subsidize the touring. But honestly, the touring, you know, is is the living, really. I mean, yeah. I mean, over time, royalties start to snowball, but that that doesn't happen right away. It takes time for, for the collection societies to get the ball rolling and for, for things to stack up in the back end. But... Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, if you tour as much as I do, it's it's pretty impossible uh, not to make a living from it because yeah, I mean, you're just doing it all the time. You know, but like it must ten have months, taken nine, ten months a year. You know, you're you're playing concerts. Yeah, you know, and 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 it, and one of the great things about this scene is that if you're the only guy on stage, so if someone buys a CD which people still do, and I'm super grateful to that because CD sales are probably about a third of my living. Wow. Yeah. I mean, selling them uh, on um, uh, on the merch table and uh, on my website, which is mikedoors.com or mikedoors.co.uk forward slash shop. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, it's... Um, what was I saying? It, yeah, you're the, you, you, you are... If you don't have a record label as well, you're... Basically, you take the cost of producing a CD, which is like 50p if you get yeah. them in bulk yeah. and you're selling them for a tenner or 15 euros or in some cases $20. You know, you take away the venue's cut and the merch vendor's cut and all this other tax and stuff. But still, you know, if you're playing to a, a decent sized room, you can you can you can get a, you know, an amount of money to kind of pay the bills from the merch, you know, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, which is good. But um, but you have to be out there boots on the ground, you know, and sure. Uh, since I was since 2013, I've been doing that, being you know all over the world, and it's got to the point now where, um, you know, I'm, I'm really happy for all these experiences, but I've really sacrificed a life. Yeah, and that's, in short, you know, to stop me rambling about to answer your question, you can make a living as a as a weird guitar player, but you do have to give up a lot to do it. Mm. You know, you, you sacrifice your relationships, you sacrifice your friendships, you don't have any kind of home life or community. And, and what ends up happening is your friends, the real, the people who you really connect with, are the people you meet on the road. Yeah. So my closest friends live in places like Las Vegas or LA or or, or DC, you know, or wherever, um, Germany, or Hungary, or whatever. So if I want to go and visit my friends, I have to take a flight. I don't yeah. just go to the pub, right? Yeah. So it, it's it's a weird life structure, but um, we'll see what the next ten years brings. You know, what the next decade will bring. Who knows? Sure. The yeah. industry is always changing as well. Tell us a bit about your your masterclass on Jam Play. Yes. Well, I teamed up with Jam Play 
um, a few years ago in Colorado and I produced a sort of um, eight or nine hour sort of mega guitar course called mm. the master course. That's what they called it. Um, and they basically wanted me to, to take, um, take people through from the basics of fingerstyle all the way up to the extended techniques and then into some songs. So that's what we did. So it's, um, a, a super intense thing. And actually, if you go to jam play, it's like, if you go like jamplay.com slash sign up, I think it is. And you type in the code doors, D A W E S. It actually gives you, I think, a seven-day free trial to the whole website. So mm. you can have lessons from, well, my course or, you know, Phil Kagi, like, I think, like, you know, legendary, like, legendary electric guitar players. There's, like, 400 guitar players doing these courses. So if you do that, you get a free trial to all of this stuff, um, I believe. I only know this because um, I'm actually putting the course on little USB sticks at shows <laughs> for okay. these up- upcoming shows that I mentioned. So people will be able to get from the merch table the course in a reusable 16 gigabyte usb stick that they can then keep and use but also have access to um to other courses as well so yeah that, that's really fun but I, I do a lot of teaching stuff i also have apps on the on the app store for iphone and ipad i have like four different tuition apps one's mm-hmm. an overall modern fingerstyle guitar one and then i have three songs that i teach and we shot them at peter gabriel's studio in oh, in, wow. in, in box uh, real world studios yeah i have a whole lot of tab on my website as well i've, I've made tab books which are in the other room actually yeah, um, I look through these uh yeah i'm a big fan of learning from books that's how i learned the pierre van susan pieces and the hedges pieces um are from physical books um some made by my godfather for pierre some made by john stropes for the michael hedges one and um so it's a dream to produce my own tab book. So that's also available on the website and that contains a bunch of songs and also techniques as well. Wow. Yeah. Lots of tuition. Yeah. You know. So I'd like to move on to something you spoke about a little bit yesterday was how to travel with a guitar on hmm. aircraft. Because <laughs> you have quite a bit of experience with that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's an interesting one. So um, everything I, I guess I will say now is is as of now rules and regulations change all the time yeah so i used to travel with a big old hard case that just did my shoulder in running to do a tight connection with this guitar case just jangling about it it was just no fun and additionally i'd have to have an extra backpack for my hand luggage so i discovered mono cases and i'm a big fan of them and i've used that for the past three years and never had any guitars get damaged so the mono cases they look like soft cases but they're very well protected and, and they're very secure inside. Lots of padding, lots of protection. When you take a soft case or something that appears to be a soft case, the staff uh, at the airports generally, they go easier on you. They're less likely to take it from you because they see it as something that is fragile. You know, they are human beings. They're not just soulless creatures, these employees. Although they might act like it sometimes. <laughs> um, so what I was saying yesterday is uh, I've never paid for a seat for a guitar they will always try and get you to do that but you don't you don't need to do that it's a ripoff um essentially what i would do is i if i'm traveling by myself i'd just approach the the kiosk to to do my bag drop they'll say how many bags just go, oh just one just put my suitcase on the thing you know thank you very much cheers bye and sometimes they won't even mention the guitar because it's on my back sometimes they might not even see it if i'll mm-hmm. back away slowly but usually they'll see it and sometimes they'll say oh that guitar it looks quite big I'll say, oh, this, oh, yeah, that's my hand luggage. I go, oh, really? It looks quite big. It's, and there's a whole 
back and forth that I'm sure they've done a million times. Yeah. Some of them will say, no, you, you can't, you've got to check it. And if they say that I have to check it, I'll usually just insist that it's safe and also that it's very valuable. But also I will say, would I be able to um, take it to the gate and, and, and we'll see if there's room. And if there's not room, no problem, then we'll check it. And just maybe ask them to maybe I say maybe if you just give me a tag, then then you know I'll take it to them. And if it has to be checked, it'll be checked. No problem. Mm. Nine times out of ten, that's fine, right? So no one at security will care about the guitar. And then you get to the gate, and uh, if you just get it to the plane, just by saying, "Oh, we're just going to see if it'll fit." Make sure you're at the front of the line. You know, don't be the last guy and yeah. holding everyone up. You're at the front of the line. You know, you're trying to do trying to do the best thing, and then. The, ca- the cabin staff, the, the the stewardesses, they're always fine. They're like, yeah, sure, put it there, no problem. Yeah. It's just the people at that first check-in gate, and um, it, it, you know, it'll always fit in an overhead. A guitar, a, a mono case will fit in every airplane it, on the in the overheads, except for the tiny, like you know, one seat on each side, little puddle hoppers that'll take yeah. you to from yeah. regional airport to regional airport. Um, if you're on an Airbus or doing anything transatlantic, it'll always fit. And if even if you get there late and there's no space in the overhead lockers, the stewardesses will put it in their locker, right? Now, if, worst case scenario, you take it to the gate and they do check it and you, they say there's no room at all, and it's happened a few times, I've had to go transatlantic and they have checked it, um, it's on after all the other luggage because you've got it to the gate. Yeah. You, didn't, you didn't put it at the bag drop at the beginning. And, you know, it goes on after everything and it'll come off before everything. Now, people... Uh, people think that 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 a lot of people who fly they don't really understand the um, the physics behind aircraft. Weight distribution is very important to a, a vehicle that flies in the sky. They don't mm. just throw luggage in willy nilly and have it slide around. That's not conducive to a something that can take off. So everything is compartmentalized. And, and when you do go check it, it will go into a netted area that's completely kind of isolated and safe. It's not going to get squished. The only thing is humidity on very long flights, so just make sure there's a few humidity packs. Yeah. Like Planet Waves, the diary makes some good ones. Um, and because a guitar will usually get damaged between the bag drop and the plane, or the plane and the and the, the baggage belt. Yeah. On the plane itself, um, not so much because of this. If you do it right, so um, my only other piece of advice is avoid British Airways because they're <laughs> the only airline to have a blanket policy that there's a new policy that says no no instruments in the cabin. Full stop. Uh, so, which is a shame because I collected British Airways miles for quite some time, and okay. now I've quit and gone to Star Alliance. And, uh, but, uh, but yeah, that was a very long-winded way of saying: be persistent, be polite. You know, don't be the angry passenger. Um, everyone wants the same thing, um, but you know, don't get your card out and pay for a seat because you don't need to do that. Yeah, good tips. Hope so. Yeah. Tell us about your your anecdote: the trip to Ireland. Oh yes. So one time, so so I used to fly Bristol to Belfast quite a lot, and um, at the time Ed Sheeran was um, was uh, at the Loudon factory um, in Downpatrick. I think he he bought a bunch of guitars there, like six guitars or something. Um, and usually Bristol to Belfast, it's on EasyJet, but you you know the plane's big enough; it always fits. Nine times out of ten, it's fine. I I do the same rules that I just the yeah. same tips that I just said. But this one woman was being really persistent. She said, no, we have to check it. We have to check it. And I just said, listen, Janet, looking at her name tag, I didn't want to tell you this, but this is Ed Sheeran's guitar. 
I'm transporting. I'm transporting it for emergency repairs at the factory in Downpatrick. Do you really want to be the the person that that breaks his guitar beyond repair? And then they were like, oh, I'm denied a bit, and and uh, and you know, let me take it on the plane. So basically, every every line a bit of truth, you know. <laughs> Uh, when it comes to that another time is you know you do sometimes um witness the discrimination between how they treat economy passengers and first class passengers so when i travel with justin hayward from the moody blues sometimes we'll be on the same flight and um you know we'll be checking in i'm checking in for my economy seat at the back you know he's checking in for his first class seat because he's the rock star right yeah and I'll be there, and they're just like, nope, 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 you can't take it, you can't take it. And then Justin will just say, just give it here. And he takes the guitar, and he goes, this is my guitar now, I'm taking it. And they're like, fine, no problem. Wow. <laughs> you know. So sometimes he's just literally, he's the one that walks on with it, and he turns left, no problem. If I take it and turn right, problem. Yeah. You know? um, so, uh, you know, that that helps sometimes. But um, but also with a first-class ticket, I think you, you get more space in, in, in yeah, your locker as part so. of the ticket. Also, I, I collect air miles, and I just got my gold status, um, which basically allows you priority boarding, among other perks. And the mm. priority boarding means that you'll be on first, which means there'll always be room. You know, so these yeah. little little yeah. hacks, you know. Um, yeah, there's lots of little things you can do. But at the end of the day, the thing that, that that's hard with flying is the inconsistency with the rules. If it was one rule yeah. for everyone, then it would be easy to prepare for. But, you know, if someone's having a bad day, they might take it out on you someone will say this is the rule and someone else will say this is the rule and you know just be prepared for yeah, you know every every trip is an adventure and this is why on 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 uh, i try to avoid connections because mm. every connection is a battle it's a new battle you know i i flew to when i was flying to greece i connected in athens to go to thessaloniki and um i got the guitar to athens no problem at all everything's fine and then i change in athens and suddenly whoa why do you have a guitar yeah. Can't take this. How did you get that here? You know, same airline, same, yeah. exactly the same type of plane as well. You know, so um, yeah. There's it, a friend of mine, in Connecticut, a friend called John Thomas, who's a collector of vintage Gibson instruments, amongst mm. other things, mm. and he he's a a lawyer by profession, yeah. and he takes with him a copy of is this the, the, o- the Obama thing. No, I don't think it's the Obama okay. thing, no. He he writes for Fretboard Journal. He's very involved in mm. the whole guitar world. And he takes with him a copy of the, the federal law, which he'll show at the airport check-in desk. Mm-hmm. And even that, quite often, isn't enough. Yeah, well, there's. I don't know if Trump's repealed it, but Obama passed some legislation which basically says that if you have a musical instrument, you are, and it's within the domestic USA. So, so if okay. you're flying from Europe in... It doesn't count, but if you're yeah. flying from you know Kansas City to you know Phoenix, then it counts. You are technically allowed to see if there's room in the on the plane. You are okay. allowed to get it to the cabin and see if it will fit. And as I said before, once you get it there, the staff are always just like, "It's fine, no problem." So I've had that saved on my phone. I've never used it though, but it is a little um, a little uh ace up the sleeve i guess yeah, yeah. So, so it sounds like some people do use it but i think i believe that's the law that he would be referring to it was something that obama passed but it only applies to the domestic um, i see mainland okay. yeah, yeah. USA. Mm. well i, I t- talking about super nerdy tour hacks it's fun <laughs> it's, it's very very different than other interviews so. uh, we could talk for a long time i'm sure we will we're here all day and i mean you're 
your guitar playing, your your guitar itself was is quite stunning. The oh, Kuntz thanks. guitar, yeah, yeah. Props to Andreas Kuntz. That's the the Mike Doors model available on only some websites because his name is Kuntz, spelled C U N T Z. So. If you're interested in checking out his guitars, um, Tomann in Germany um, stocks some, but he does custom orders uh, through his website, which I believe is acguitars.de or .com. Um, if you can't find him via Kunz Guitars or you don't want that in your search history, um, uh, AC Guitars, standing for Andreas Kunz, you can find him under. And you have one built by Nick Benjamin? Yeah, I have two. Have Amazing two. guitars. Oh, I have three now. Gosh. Wow. Um, yes, Nick and I... Um, Yes, the, the 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 guitar that I recorded my first album with was, was Nick's number one hundred uh, Alpine Spruce and Coca Polo, beautiful guitar. I'm currently ha- it's currently with him in his workshop getting deglossed because it was a high gloss guitar, but I, I want to take that gloss off so I can uh, uh, my sticky hands don't yeah. you know go uh, when I'm doing the percussion. Uh, and I also have a satin finished mahogany um, Sitka guitar, uh, his hundred and thirty eighth guitar, which is beautiful. I love it. Um, and I did my first two years of touring with that guitar, and I just got a new guitar from him, which is a weird experiment. It's a semi-baritone with bass tuners and separate pickups for the bottom two strings. It has banjo tuners on the top two strings, um, all kinds of wacky features that, um, well, if you want to find out more about that in detail, follow me on Instagram, and you can, um, you know, Mike underscore doors, and you can trawl through and see some pictures of this guitar. It's very easy to spot. It, it looks like Batman. It's sort of a black, spiky, Gotham City <laughs> thing. And uh, one-of-a-kind instrument. And um, we made it all out of sustainable woods as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so it was all maple, which is a very bright sound. Um, I'm currently composing a few tunes on it. But um, it's one of those guitars because it's such a, a beast. It's I can't really just play anything on it. You know, I have to... It's like a different instrument, you know. I have to compose pieces to present on it. Mm. So I've got a few um, a few things in the pipeline uh, on it, which is very exciting. Yeah, Fantastic. lots of guitars um, around and not enough space to put them. Well, that's partly why this weekend such an enjoyable one for, yeah. for us. Yeah, there's some amazing guitars. Tom, Tom Sands, who I met last night, has some guitars here that I'm looking forward to playing. They're... Uh, yeah, pretty uh, pretty amazing. Mm. Um, I know Will McNichol as a friend of mine. He uh, he plays them, and they were yeah, real real special guitars. Indeed. A lot of a lot of heart and soul goes into those. And this is why I'm a big fan of supporting independent luthiers because they, I mean, they 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 put more into the instruments than than the production line. Yeah. So support your local luthier, everybody. Absolutely, <laughs> I'll second that. Well, Mike, I'm going to say thank you very much for sitting down with me. It's been an absolute pleasure. Pleasure. Yeah, apologies for my dishevelled morning hungover appearance um, on this video. We're, but We're here to have fun, and we did lots of that. We And we will continue to do so today. We will indeed. So, and we're going to play a song together with one hand on each guitar. So we are. Yes. Yes. Which is going to be fun. I look forward to that. Okay, Mike, yeah, thanks. Pleasure. Thank you so much. We'll see you. See you in a wee while. Well, folks, I hope you enjoyed that discussion there with with Mike. I'm very grateful to you, Mike, for taking some time out to sit down and have a conversation with me when you were on what's ostensibly a holiday. 
for those watching, Mike was actually intending to leave on the Saturday afternoon, but it was such a chilled and relaxed atmosphere that he decided to stay on an extra night. And it was great just to hang out in that chilled environment on such a beautiful weekend. It was wonderful to 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 hear a musician out there crushing it on the fingerstyle guitar scene as Mike is. And what came across to me was was just how much he enjoys doing what he does. I mean, if you can if you can make a living from doing your passion, then I think all the sacrifices are worthwhile. And it was a huge inspiration to me to to have that conversation because that's precisely what I'm trying to do here with this fledgling channel is to get out there and and interview people and bring some some valuable content to guitar players around the world. This is the sort of thing I would really have enjoyed watching back when I started to play and indeed is the kind of thing I enjoy watching now. There are quite a few YouTube channels that I follow just to because I really enjoy the content. And so that's what I'm trying to do here, to live my passion, to grow, to to earn a living from, from doing something that I love. And hopefully that, that love will, will come across in all of the content that I make. I have plans to make some more content this year. I've booked some travel to the Ullapool Guitar Festival. This will be the first time I've been to that. I know that Will McNichol's going to be there, Clive Carroll, Richard Smith. It's going to be a fantastic weekend. Will McNichol is the guy that actually helped me to launch this channel because he was my first interview subject and I will always be grateful to you, Will, because that particular interview not only was was enjoyable but it showed me that I can actually do this, you know. Your feedback was was invaluable and I'm, I'm very grateful to you. Thank you, Will McNichol. And I'm really looking forward to hearing all these musicians playing again, of course. I did mention Clive Carroll there. We got to see Clive also at the weekend where I interviewed Mike. And yes, we did sit down and talk on the camera. So if you would like to hear that interview, then stay tuned. That will be coming very soon. You also got to see a brief mention of Dan Byrne when he walked in with little Theo. Dan is one of the organisers of the event down in the Cotswolds and is is a very dear friend. It's great that he and I have become such good friends. We had a few chats, a few late night chats and we share a, a, a similar passion and outlook on life I think in many ways and so during one of our conversations I flicked the record button and we, we taped that as well so you will see an interview with Dan coming up very soon and also you will have heard Mike's mentioning a luthier called Tom Sands yep, Tom was there too it was great to meet Tom it was kind of strange because Tom and Daisy Tempest his creative advisor and apprentice they are actually the guitar makers who are using social media the most I would say and the most effectively They are crushing it on Instagram, on Facebook, on their own website. Just the way that they're putting out session content with guitar players coming into the studio or little short clips or photography. So I felt that I already kind of knew them, isn't that how the internet works in, in funny ways? So when I met them, it was like a reunion for me. They'd never met me, so... 
it was a little different for them than it is for me. But that's that's one of the things I find about podcasts in general is that as a listener, you you feel that you get to know the hosts. So I'd be interested to to have some some feedback from longer term listeners of this particular broadcast to see whether you you feel that you would like to come on and have a chat with me. You know, because I'm always looking for more more players, more builders, more musicians who would like to come on. If you have products to plug, this is a great place to do it. Hopefully the audience numbers will grow quite soon and you'll be able to get your, your new album or your new video or whatever it might be in front of some more people. So hit me up, cams at acousticguitar.io is my email, or you'll get me on the social media platforms, all the usual ones, including YouTube and Instagram, etc. So, But yes, we got to sit down with Tom and Daisy, and we had an interview which was, was very enjoyable. It's always lovely to talk to the both of them, and... We also shot a session video, which you can find on Tom's website. They filmed Clive Carroll's playing on a Tom Sands model, playing Goodbye Pork Pie Hat. And it was a real treat to be in that room, to be part of that production and to hear Clive's playing that that wonderful jazz standard. So check out Tom Sands' website. I'll put, put a link down below so you can follow that up. So that was four interviews that I've recorded. This is the first one, which I'll be publishing hopefully today, July the 11th, 2019. And uh, you'll get some more content coming very soon from Alapool and from Halifax, where I've booked accommodation to attend the Acoustic Soundboard UK Guitar Forum gathering, the first of which I went to last year. That's in September in the Crown Hotel or Crown Imperial something like that in Halifax so it's a similar sort of deal bunch of musicians bunch of guitar builders we get together and have a jolly old time so if you fancy coming to that I believe there's still space you can go to the acousticsoundboard.co.uk and sign up there to join the forum and there's a thread on there about how to get to the, the next gathering in September I believe it's called HB because it used to be held in Hebden Bridge so it's HB and then the number I think it's the 10th one coming up this year 10th annual gathering so it's it's got some legs too and it's, it's really it's really a whole lot of fun so without any further ado I shall sign off I shall thank you all for watching and I will ask you one more time just please share this with your friends and if you can afford to throw a dollar or even five dollars at me a month that would really help me to grow this all i've got at the moment is a maxed out credit card and a maxed out overdraft and so i can't invest in more gear at the moment i've got enough gear i think to make some some good quality content which hopefully this video will attest but i do hope to to grow my my setup the main thing i'm looking for at the moment is lavalier mics You'll see in the interview with Mike there that he had a, an Ear Trumpet Labs microphone in front of him, which, while a fantastic condenser microphone, it's not really ideal to have in front of someone's face when you're doing a video interview. So lavalier mics are, are the next thing that I'll be looking at buying, and of course, like anything, the good ones aren't cheap. So if you can help me out with that, that would be fantastic. Maybe I'll set up a goal on my Patreon feed at patreon.com slash acousticguitario and uh, try and f think of a reward perhaps for anyone who, who contributes 
I do subscribe to some Patreon feeds myself because I just feel that the content I watch is very valuable. Uh, the main ones at the moment are Mary Spender, uh, Adam Neely, and Paul Davids. Those are three fantastic musicians whose content I find very valuable. And so I, I just throw a dollar at them a month just to support them. And I feel that kind of makes me feel a bit less guilty about asking you because I know it's a model that can work and it would help me to, to grow this channel. And if you do find this valuable, you know, a dollar a month isn't a huge amount. So thank you. Thank you for your consideration. Hit me up on the App Store as well. Give me a rating. That's how this stuff gets gets moved up the rankings on the podcast networks. So that would help me out a lot too. Some feedback would be very much appreciated. So I shall say thank you for watching and I'll see you in the next video. Bye for now.